you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. Hi, I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. So in this week's episode, we're discussing listening. I I very nearly started the intro to this episode by saying talking about listening, but I thought that would just sound a little strange, um, and it does sound a bit strange. So yeah, we're going to be talking about listening, or rather, not listening. I'm certain that as a man, I've definitely been accused of not listening to people. And if you're also a man who's listening to this, then you've probably also been accused of that as well. Mostly by women. I can't think of many men who've accused me of not listening, apart from when I've genuinely sort of been distracted, maybe work-wise or whatever. But it, it does tend mostly to come from women in my life. Let me get that clear. In my life, it's mostly come from women accusing me of not listening. The problem I've got with that statement from the woman is it's often not the case. I often am listening, but I also don't necessarily understand what is required of me during the conversation. Women tend to talk more from an emotional stance and men are problem solvers. That's kind of what... Again, I can only really speak from my perspective and only speak about what I know. So if you want to come on the podcast and talk to me about how you handle things and how you cope with stuff and maybe give ideas about how to go forwards and so on, that would be brilliant. I'm looking forward to that. But I can only speak from my perspective and my perspective is that whenever I hear somebody talking to me about something that from their tone of voice and from the language they're using is a problem, I'm trying to think of the solution because that's how my brain works. That's also what I do for a job. I'm a problem solver. I work with data, so I make sure it flows from A to B, and if it doesn't flow from A to B, I have to solve the problem, and that's basically what I spend my whole working life doing. Which means, when I'm hearing somebody telling me a problem, I'm thinking of the solution. So, there's definitely been situations at work where people have been explaining to me what the problem is, and while they're talking, I'm already thinking of how to solve the problem before they've even got to the end of their explanation of what the issue is. I'm already solving it in my head, and sometimes, I've been known to, whilst they're explaining, to write things down and they're saying, they're thinking I'm making great notes on what the problem is and I'm actually going, if you did this, if you did that, if you did the other, fixes it. It comes across at work as me being incredibly effective. Then I come home and my wife tells me about a problem that she's got and it's not a problem I can solve because most of my solutions tend to be, well, why are you doing that then? Why are you even there? Why don't you find another job? Why don't you move on? Why don't you change this? Why don't you stop talking to that person? Why don't you move away from the issue? Why don't you make the issue their problem? All these sort of things. And in actual fact, it turns out that she will be talking to me from an emotional stance and I'm responding from a logical stance. And that's where the difficulties arise. So often the issue that's being talked about is some perceived grievance with the other person's behaviour. Like, why did you leave me to tidy away the washing up? Why do I have to remind you to take out the trash? Why aren't you already thinking about these things? The problem with these sorts of emotional arguments is that they are very subjective. Well, you know, I can see the issue, so why can't you? Or, if you can see the issue, why doesn't it bother you? 
Or, <laughs> continuing again, if it does bother you, why do you leave it to me to sort out? Now, I remember my mum years ago, um, she would argue with me about things um, where she would suggest I was being selfish in my behaviour. But the problem was at the time, there was just two of us there. So the problem with being selfish is, when there's only two of you, person A, in this case my mother, saying that I'm being selfish because I'm leaving her to do something or I'm not doing something for her, right? When you then flip it round and I do the thing for her, then she's being selfish by not doing it herself and she's getting somebody else to do it for her, if you see what I mean. So selfish between two people doesn't work. Now, my wife and I based our relationship on this because when she, she used to have a phrase, um, I think it'll, I'll be picking it up in a different episode as well, but she used to have a phrase where she say, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. I was like, well, yeah, when there's only two of us doing it, then the exact same sentence can come from my mouth that if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. And when I countered that argument with the same argument, basically she stopped using it because she realises the, the foolishness of saying to one other person that, you know, it's up to them to do it because... I'm standing there saying, well, it's up to you to do it. And she's standing there saying, well, it's up to you to do it. And then before you know it, stalemate, nothing gets done. So the thing is, women will tend to discuss their feelings when they're upset, when they're just, when they're just walking through their problems and trying to tell you about the thing, whatever it is that's been going on in their lives. They'll talk about their emotions and they'll discuss their feelings and things. Whereas men will often skirt those subjects to stick to tangible facts. He said this, she did that, this then happened, what a problem. And a lot of the times with the stories that are being discussed and a lot of the issues that you tend to have that you're talking to your significant other about are not things that can be solved anyway. You know, like the idiot who doesn't indicate on the roundabout that wound you up. And sometimes it can be a, an accumulation of factors that have led to you getting to the point where you're just saying, well, what a terrible day that's been. Because this happened, that happened, the other happened. None of which is in your control, none of which is in the other person's control. But when you're trying to tell that story, so when I tell a story about how frustrated I am about things that have happened to me during the day, I'm not expecting anybody to solve that problem because I already know that there is no solution to the problem. I'm just angry and I'm upset and I'm annoyed about the things that have happened. I already know. So I'm not expecting any problem solving. So when I'm sitting there listening to my wife telling me the story, I am imagining when she's telling me that she was cut up on the motorway by a driver, there was someone who was a cyclist pulled out in front of her and caused her to slam the brakes on. Whatever it was, whatever issue she's had while she's been out and driving and so on, she'd be telling me these stories because my stories are always the same where I go, well, I know there's no control over this and I know I've got no solution to it, so it's just an anecdotal story. Her stories are exactly the same, but I find myself butting in and saying, oh, well, you should have tried this, you should have tried that, you should have tried the other. Yeah, where does that come from? When I know that my story has no solution, why would I assume that her story has a solution? I mean, the level of arrogance on my part is, is frankly shocking. But the problem is, we're often as men just looking for something in the conversation or even just in the monologue that's coming at us where our particular skill set comes into use. If you're also an excellent problem solver and you see every story as being a problem and you're trying to solve it, which is what my case is, if that's what you're doing, you are going to be listening out for trigger words. I don't know what to do. I can't understand why. I don't get it. Those sort of things that will trigger your brain to think, ah, well, I can see a problem and I can see a solution, so let me help you out. But sometimes people just need to talk. So, of course, as ever with these podcasts, I've done some research on this topic. And again, I found lots and lots of resources for helping women to get their men to listen to them 
Whereas what I was actually looking for was tips for men to improve the listening. There's nothing. So, you know, lots and lots of the sites I went on. I, I, I say lots and lots of. I clicked onto about four or five websites and each one of them had um, sort of a, a scenario in there where he's forgotten your birthday, he's forgotten your anniversary, what do you do? And I was just thinking, guys, if you're the sort of person who's forgetting birthdays and anniversaries, in this day and age, you've got no excuse. I'm sorry, but you haven't. You have got in your pocket a mobile phone, cell phone, whatever you want to call it in whatever part of the world you're in. You've got that in your pocket. That pocket thing has got a calendar in it. If you put a recurring reminder in your calendar to say anniversary, birthday, child's birthday, whatever it is that you're constantly forgetting, guess what? You don't forget them anymore. So one of the things my friends have said about me over the years is that they feel very loved and they feel very valued that I remember them on their birthdays. The little trick there is, is that I've put your birthday in my calendar. So if I've got, if I've got your cell number and you're in my contacts, I've got your birthday against it as well if I've managed to glean that over the years. So that when it comes round each year, I can send you a message on your birthday to, give, to wish you a happy birthday. But the point is, if you're that kind of man who's doing that kind of thing to your significant other where you're not remembering these anniversaries and these dates, you have no excuse. I'm genuinely angry about that, that it becomes a trope of men. Oh, he never remembers my birthday. Yeah, that is on him. That is 100% on him. That's on you. If you forget birthdays, that's on you. You've got, I've got no sympathy for you. But that's not what this podcast episode is about. It's not about you forgetting your birthdays. But that's what all the self-help stuff was about. When I was Googling all of these, or, you know, trying to find help for, you know, because I like to do a positivity corner of these episodes. I mean, how many have we done now? 29 episodes this is. I like to find a bit of positivity in some of these things and trying to help people and get some self-help out there and stuff. And it, it, it's really annoying when you come across all these websites and always, my husband forgets this, my husband forgets that. Like I said, it's on you. It's genuinely on you. There's no reason for you to forget anything. Point being, I'm going on these websites and it's always about, my man is inept, my man is inept. And then you hear the other old argument, don't you, about how men need to be trained and you know women feel that men need to be taught how to do things and how to be trained. And you just, oh. So... I was thinking about the positive side of this thing and I thought, you know, if the emotional comment or the emotional commentary that's coming from your significant other is about a situation that involves the two of you, what my wife and I have found is it's better to discuss those things after the fact. So, you know, you whatever whatever the situation is, you've wandered into the kitchen and the washing up's piling out in the sink, whatever it is, and that's annoyed you and that's angered you, whatever, and you've been left to get on with it. Because... <laughs> One of the things my wife used to do was before lockdown, she used to teach in the evening. So that meant that she was obviously out. I was left home uh, looking after the kid and what have you. Again, not a problem. That's what parenting is. I understand that fully. But what she would say is she'd have a little disposable comment as she was walking out the door on a Thursday night. And she would say um, that she wants the kitchen sink and the kitchen to be all clean of the week's washing up uh, for Friday so that we haven't got anything to do before the weekend. But of course, that means that on the Friday, if you know, if, if you finish work on the Friday and you come home and you see all the pile of washing up or whatever, it needs doing then on the Friday. But she wanted it clear on the Friday. She wanted that when she came home on Friday, she had that choice. So what that meant was, it meant that the latest point the washing up could be done was Thursday. And that latest point the washing up could be done being Thursday was also the evening that she was out. She wouldn't get back till beyond 10pm. And that meant that 
there was one other person in the house that was capable of doing the washing up, which was me, which meant I'd finished work on a Thursday, I'd come home, we'd do the car handover, where so one car family, we'd do the car handover so she could get in the car and she could drive her, drive her way to work, and then I'd walk in the kitchen and I'd see the pile of washing up on the side, and I'd think, great, well that's my evening started then. Before I even know what it is I'm planning to do, that's what I'm doing, I'm stood in front of that. So what I discovered was it was better to talk about that after the fact, rather than me standing there for 45 minutes, 50 minutes doing the washing up. We don't have a dishwasher, but working towards that. Um, so I'm stood there for 45 minutes, 50 minutes doing a week's worth of washing up. I would get very angry about that, but I felt that it, I realised it worked a lot better if I would talk about it on Friday or Saturday and just sort of say, you know, it's not fair that all of that stuff has been left and just talk about it from an emotional fact. Kind of like, I feel like I'm left to carry the entire household because that's how it felt. It's like everybody else was dumping their washing up on the side and leaving it for the magic washing up fairy to clean. So, like I said, leave it for a day or two before you discuss anything that can be a flashpoint. That's my personal opinion. It does work very well for us, I will say that. But if the talk was more about feelings and you've tried to solve it, again, you just need to wait a day or so and then just you know, just in passing, just make just make a comment, something along the lines of, "I thought about what you said the other day, and I can see why it's difficult or hard, or you know, delete is appropriate. I can see why it was difficult for you. Is there anything I can do to help? Because then you've acknowledged that you've heard what they've said, you've acknowledged that you've listened, and you've acknowledged that you want to sort of offer any help if at all. And when I started doing this, quite often the answer was, "Well, no, there's nothing you can do to help." Okay, and that's when my wife started to realise that she was just unloading on me and that there was nowhere I could go with any of it, which is great. You reach that point. Um, There's also no shame in admitting that you're just not able to process what's being said. Sometimes tiredness affects your ability to focus. It certainly does in my case. We bought a new tumble dryer and my wife wanted to explain to me because it was the old tumble dryer was literally on off switch it had a gentle or not gentle switch and it had a little rotary dial it was just the timer on it i mean it couldn't have been more simple literally a monkey could have operated it then we bought a new one it's got this flashy little dial on it there's several buttons and a rotary wheel and christ knows what else and there's all these different types of programs and when we bought it i was at the low ebb of being tired and so on and it fitted it and whatever did all the stuff my wife then voraciously read the manual she understood every single program and she tried to explain it to me she's tried three times to explain it to me and each time i've had to say to her I'm really sorry, I'm just not able to approach this topic. I can't absorb any information, I'm just not ready. I'm tired, I'm not gonna, it's not going to sink in, it's not going to work. Now the problem is, that was a few weeks ago the last time I said that, and since then I've not used the tumble dryer at all. So I think I need to reach out to it at some point when I'm feeling capable to actually have it explained to me, or RTFM, the manual myself. But I've often said to my wife that you know we need to pick something up later because I'm not very capable of processing it. Um, and in my experience, they're happy that you're saying something. So, in short, I'm Leon Deggs, and I hope you are listening. Thank you.